Just a Good Conversation, podcast number 12. This is part two of a conversation I have with head men's basketball coach Dietrich Taylor. I've created a good relationship with coach over the last seven years at Fullerton, and I've seen him develop players and coaches around the program. Those are just a few things we dive into in this conversation. We will take a quick break for a sponsor before diving into part two. Arizona, time has come. You make the big jump. How does the process go for you getting into Fullerton? It it goes really, really weird because at the time I was working with another guy, Eric Musselman, who is now the head coach at uh, Arkansas. He wasn't Nevada, right? He wasn't Nevada. Yeah. Yeah, so I was working with him. (laughs) Just jumping around. Coaches never Literally. And and he's still the same. That's coaches, all of us. Like, you follow his career, you'd really be crazy. Um, But he wanted out of Arizona State and wanted to be a head coach bad as any he would take in any job and so the fullerton jobs open jobs opened and he called and got him tried to get himself involved and donovan was like nah we we don't we're not messing with you for whatever reason right um and i think he had her call on his behalf like hey we you know this is good and blah 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 so i was reluctant very reluctant to call um but i did I called Jim Donovan's cell. Somehow I got his cell phone number and I left him a message and I said, hey, this is so-and-so and this is, I'm at Arizona State. And I didn't know that he had already told Musselman no. Interesting. Um, because me and Musselman didn't share, we, we didn't share stories. We didn't right. tell each other sure. anything different than anywhere that anyone that I've ever been involved with. And that's probably another story. But um, Donovan called back and I think he was just returning. I, this is what I think. I think he was returning the call, assuming that he wouldn't get me. He would get my voicemail, but I answered the call. It was a 714 number, and it was probably, and it was, you know, we're an hour ahead at, uh, at, in Arizona. Right. So it was probably 7.30 here, uh, there, here in California and probably 8.30 there or, or one hour above. Right. Uh, um, 6.30 here, 7.30. At any rate, it was early in the morning. So, Oh, in the morning? Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah he's so definitely... I, I thought he was leaving a message. So I just picked the phone and, and, and I did for 45 minutes, I did more, majority of the talking and he just listened. And at that point when we hung up, I thought, okay, I just did the, he did the courtesy thing, mm-hmm. did the nice thing, probably because he had heard who I was, I'm from here, so on and so forth, and he heard my name, but he did the courtesy thing. So I didn't think anything else of it. So like three weeks later, Steve Detola, or I get another call, 657 call. I don't recognize the number, don't recognize the area code. Right. I send it to voicemail. Well, I'm sitting in the office of our ops guy, like one other assistant is there and two other guys are there, our managers, they're there. And so I'm like, man, who is this? So I play it and it, it, it's in front of everybody. And it says, it's, this is hey, this is Steve Totola. We this Tuesday, we'd love to interview you on Thursday. Are you interested? Please call me so-and-so. And I look around and- And you're in the room. <laughs> y'all wasn't supposed to hear that. Act like you didn't hear that. So I got up and left and went in my office and- and this was a Tuesday about 4 o'clock. So you've disabled your speaker now from your yeah. phone. That doesn't work anymore? Yeah. 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 It does <laughs> not work. I would not do that to this day. Listen to a voicemail in front of everybody. I'll just take it off of 
uh, speaker and oh, put it to God. my ear and say, you must have oh, it, was, it was, it was, it was, it was embarrassing sure. to say the least. Uh, but I didn't think anything right. of it. You know, yeah. I didn't know uh, who is this calling me from a six, five number uh, six, five, seven. I don't even recognize the area code, but it's the basketball life. It's going to yeah. happen. No doubt. So, um, he says he wants to interview me on a Thursday. And so immediately I go into scramble mode. And scramble for a coach, meaning that I go into preparation mode, um, getting familiar with the school, with the people that are on the committee. Can I find out who's on the committee? Do I know anything about them? Um, what kind of questions are they going to ask? You know, just just a bunch of information. Because you've had a couple of interviews now under your belt. Yeah. At that time, I think I interviewed four, at least four times, maybe five. Okay. I, and so I knew what the process was. And that's kind of good. It is good. It is important because most coaches screw up because they don't know right. the process. Inter- they don't understand it. Right. You don't you don't interview all the time. Yeah. And and when you do, it's for a job. It's at a very important event. So no it's question. good to have that under your belt that you're yeah. not going in like a complete clown. Yeah, complete clown. I mean and, and Because from your first one, right? You probably yeah. didn't do nearly the no, what you're no, doing no, now. No, not even close. You just I mean, didn't know. Not even close. And I and I think two years previous to that or the year previous to that, it was in October, I interviewed at, at West Point. Wow. At Army. That's big. Quick funny story about that is I told it the other day, I'll tell it again, but but Please I'm do. going in <laughs> to meet the top of the, the like the top guy. The Brad like this is the dude. Right. No the equivalent of a president. So I'm sitting there, my suit and tie, and his secretary says, hey, coach, you know, he's running a little bit late. Please forgive him. And she's looking at her watch. And, you know, she tells me that the president of Tanzania is in meeting with this guy. And I tell her, I said, well, he doesn't have to see me. You know, like the president of Tanzania, I'm just a basketball coach. He does. I'm assistant, by the way. He doesn't have to see me. He doesn't need. She was like, oh, coach, no, no, no problem. No, no, no. I'm just he a resident to, of yeah, Arizona. I'm, normal I'm not dude. a big guy. I'm a normal dude. Little did I know, man. It, it, it was crazy. And it was, it was, it was crazy. That, that whole experience was crazy. But that was probably a point that I'll never forget. Like, and I'm telling this, this, this nice lady who's telling me to, the president of Tanzania is in the in their meeting with the with the president basically, and right. he's going to be a couple minutes late. I'm, take your time. Take your I'll time. Go down and get, yeah. get a coffee. Like you want one? You know. Um, so let's talk about it real quick. I mean, West Point. That is an unbelievable like opportunity. I, yeah. I, have you been to the Air Force Academy? Have you ever? I covered? never have. You got to get Fullerton. That's it's what I've unbelievable. Heard. It's That's beautiful. What I've heard. It's fantastic. I'll make that road trip. It's yeah. great. It'll be good. Tell them to stop being so good, and we can play them anytime yeah. you want. That too. But West Point, what were you? What was your thought process on that? Because you're you're going to get a certain kid. Right? Yeah. You're not getting a James Harden. You're yeah. getting guys who are going to go to Afghanistan. No doubt. And, and and it was it was really weird in terms of the timing because he had to let the coach go, probably two weeks before we were going to start official practice. Wow. So I was, whoever got hired would be walking into a situation. You would be on campus a week before official practice started. Started. So this is a friend of mine. He's a mentor of mine. He's a, he's a, his name is Kevin Anderson. He's the uh, AD at West Point at the time. He's no longer there. Right. But um, he's calling around and, and so on and so forth. And there's a three-person committee in Chicago 
who I'm, I'm meeting in Chicago. Kevin is one of them. I think he's deputy AD and one of the other assistant ADs. So we're sitting at this long table and we have this discussion and I'm thinking, you know what, I lick this. It's really good. I'm, I'm feeling really good. Right. So he hits me with a question. And it's along the same similar lines. And he asked me, he said, now tell me about recruiting. You are going to recruit a kid. Like, tell me about the experience of going into a to a home and telling a kid's mom that you're training him every day to go to war. He said nothing about basketball. Right. He said you're going to war. And so I'm listening to this guy ask me this question, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I thought we were friends. Like, why would you ask me? Why would you ask me that? But it's a real question yes. because of yes. West Point and because of the Army. It's a whole different world. Totally different. Totally different. I mean, like, if you and have. It's a real no, question. It, it is a legit question. He could have not asked any other question. That was, to me, the most important question. But it came at the time, like, why would you ask? Why wouldn't you ask me that first? And I would have. I would have. Said probably messed it up and they're trying got to back see on a character because they want to see and how you are going to handle that. It was it was it was crazy how I handled that, and that was his way of finding that out. And so, right or wrong, I mean, he, yeah, he's no got to do his no job, doubt. and it's tough because you guys have a relationship. Yeah. But he's got to slug you when no you're not doubt. looking. And I was not looking. Not and I and to this day, I think I've told him about that experience, but I don't think I've, un, I've I've listened to why he asked me that, when he asked me that. But he's um, he asked me that, and, and literally it took me some time. Like, I had to repeat the question to him, played around with my water glass, you know, stalling. Right. And the answer I gave was, or I came up with, was like, first and foremost, everybody is not ready to hear that, to hear the information. So it's important. It's incumbent upon me to hire a staff and for me to find out are the recruit or is the recruit ready to hear that? Is the mom ready to hear that? Mm -hmm. And that softens the blow because if you go into a kid's home that's not ready to hear that, they'll probably put you out. Mm -hmm. And so oh. I'm explaining this to the to to Mr. Anderson and his and the other ADs and like literally I was sweating. Oh, I bet. I'm sweating. We're talking because <laughs> it's a it's a life question. No it's question. a real question. You don't Yeah. Nobody's gonna have to deal with that but those three branches. No no question. And I thought I had screwed the question up so bad to where it was gonna stop there in Chicago. I was done. Done. Right. But little Just, did I know, I I guess I must have answered it the right because I got to campus and I didn't know this even while I was on campus, but I was on campus with two other guys. Two other head, two other coaches, assistant coaches. The president of Tanzania was applying for the job. I wish <laughs> he probably would have did a good job. <laughs> but I was on on with two other guys that they were interviewing, two other assistants that they were interviewing, and we never ran into each other. The night before, not the night of, we never ran into Army's each good. other. No, they are really they're good. good. Bad really, Rangers moving people really, around. <laughs> really good. Like like I thought, Mr. Anderson was 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 there for me. Like I was the only one on campus and mm -hmm. I didn't know that they had other people there. Um, wow. But it, it, it was, it was an unbelievable experience as far as like the hotel you stay in. It's old, it's crickety, but there's so much history. history there. Oh my goodness. The people that have stayed at this hotel are like some of the giants in our world, not our country, yes, in, in our the world. world. Um, you were feet from the president of Tanzania. Like you're not going to get that experience. Yeah. But I mean, like, if you didn't, yeah. you're just like, whoa. 
wow, yeah. I'm in the same yeah. space. Yeah, yeah. No, I was crazy. This is not Portland State. No, <laughs> no, no. It's nothing compared to nothing where I was. Right. And I mean, I mean, just just how you how it looked majestic. It was it was such so pretty. Well, and, and, you're talking about a West Coast guy who does who knows nothing about Upper New right. York, like nothing. Right. Spoiled rotten West Coast guy, and I'd been to the South, but I didn't like it. So I'm, you know, and I'm thinking I'm an interview, but it was so pretty. They showed me the housing, and it's it's, it's on the on the on the lake. I can't remember the name of the lake or the river right. that runs through campus. It, it's such a nice place. I mean, I sat down and visited with the head football coach. It was crazy how many people I met on their campus and what they were doing. And they took me in during lunch. When all the cadets were eating lunch and how oh, they eat lunch, and so really, oh, coach, what an experience! Basketball is like third or fourth on their list as far as what they're there for. Oh yeah, because they're there trained. They're first of all, they're smart. They're really, really smart. Oh, yeah. Those second of all, they're training for going to war. Really? Oh yeah. Not like, the analogy we no, say when we're playing Irvine. No. This is going to be a battle. No. That you can't say no, that. No, you can't say that kind of stuff. No. <laughs> can't say that kind of Because you got a senior who's like six months away from deployment. No doubt. No doubt. And then the other element you have to deal with is like, I think it's a soft, by the sophomore year, they have to make a decision yes. as to whether or not they're going to list or they're going to leave. Yeah. So that's another dynamic you have to deal with. And again, it has nothing to do with basketball. It has everything to do with them making a life decision. And I think they're sophomores, so they're probably 19 or 20, making, again, a life-changing, life-altering decision oh. to stay. And if they stay, they in, they automatically enlist. Right, they're in. They're you committed know, they're, they're for six. In. Yeah. Or leave. So you've put all this money and all this time into this kid, and then he leaves. So it's a whole different dynamic. And... and even if they offered me the job, I don't know that that was the right one for me. Right. And I had prepared to tell the tell the, the athletic director, thanks, but no thanks. It's I a beautiful experience, it though. It is. It is. It is. There's no experience like that one. Even even the other other branches of the of the military are different than this one. Right. Like I always used to refer to the army as the army. No, right. This is West Point. Right. No. You, yes. You don't say the art. You say West, West Point. Point. Yep. You don't say it's not Army University, no. Army State, West, West Point. Point. And that that lets people know you know what you're talking about. Right. Or they're used to saying Army. They don't know what you're talking about. Right. And those are the people you don't want to talk to anyway. This year was supposed to be one check off my bucket list. I was going to take the family to go yeah. see Army Navy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I guess, moved to next year. But yeah. definitely that you pageantry you is on the bucket list, especially with the young boys no, I no got. No doubt. And the pageantry and the way that they celebrate the thing is mm -hmm. different than anybody. Anything else. Anything else that they that your your children will see. It's right. totally different. Like, you see them. They're suited and booted like they are. They're right. ready. But then somebody scores against them, <laughs> and you see them get upset. Oh, yeah. Or they're... Organization scores and they are they are they celebrate a completely different way mm -hmm. than what we're used to seeing. It's an interesting dynamic too to watch them as athletes. We played men's soccer played Army this year, mm -hmm. and um, 
they were so disciplined. They mm-hmm. didn't make those silly mistakes. Mm-hmm. You could just see it was a different quality of athlete. Now, they weren't as athletic, yeah. but they didn't make the dumb errors. Yeah. Mentally strong. Yeah. That's probably the biggest difference between them and a normal college athlete is their discipline. Oh, yeah. They're so – because by the time – You can't throw anything at them that's going to no, already rattle them? No. By the time they get to you, they've already done seven or eight serious things. Right. Like life-altering Yep. Just the commitment disease. to go there. Yeah. We're not talking committing to yeah. Chico State. <laughs> We're talking about committing to West Point yeah. for a long-term career. Because yeah. joining the Army is one thing. Committing to West Point totally is a career decision. Totally different. Totally different, and, and you know some of the people that are there that are teachers or or they they work there in some capacity. Um, they did not go to the regular army. They are cadets, former cadets that probably served in some type of war. Right. So they can tell you what that discipline is like. You're not worried about whether or not that person steps in or out. You're not worried about the goal being scored or not. You're worried about somebody losing their life. Right. So it's totally different. The conversation and the level of seriousness at this place, because I think I'm a goofy guy, but the level of seriousness at this particular place at West Point is is, is a whole nother level. So I'm guessing the interview process at Fullerton, they didn't throw those kind of no. curveball questions no. at you about, so how are you going to keep yeah. a kid alive? No. <laughs> no, Fullerton was normal. I sat in a room with 10 other, 10 people on the committee mm-hmm. and for all intents and purposes, it was easy compared to West Point. Oh yeah. You know, because you could literally, I could see the questions coming. Right. As they're reading them, each person was responsible for, for a, a question. question. Right. But at West Point, like you, they walked you around and you saw different things or you went to lieutenant's office or, or you went to a class or you went to the mess hall or you went to, you know, somebody different. You've, you rare, you didn't sit in a room or if you did, you sat in a room, but it was, it was serious. And it was a room that's 200 years old. Right. That was probably right. formerly invaded by the British at one right. point. Yeah. I mean, it's just got yeah. history written all over yeah. it. So the prep for that job, one of the, one of the things that I had to learn was, how to identify the cadets versus the lieutenant versus the colonel. Oh, Looking right. at their stripes. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. looking at them, but looking at their stripes. And I learned this. The reason why you shake or you wear a name tag on the left side, so it's almost all swooshes you'll see, they're on the left hand, left side, right. this side of your body. Because as you go to shake the person's hand, that's where your eye automatically looks. Interesting. I didn't know that. I learned that preparing for that job. Wow. Learned that preparing. Now, we'll never probably shake hands again because of COVID-19. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that was one of the things that I learned. You shake right hand. Right. And your eye automatically Looks. goes right there to the person's left chest yeah. there. So, yeah. And, and the, the funny thing was trying to learn... The different current difference between colonels and lieutenants and cadets and you know all of the different jurisdictions sure. that were there. 
their never. roles and the way they deal with each yeah. other. You're dealing with them. I called everybody sir. I didn't care who it was. Right. It, most times it'd be a woman. And I still would say, sir. Right. <laughs> that's that's how nervous I was. <laughs> I can understand. I mean, it's a, it's a yeah. it's a beautiful, and this is where I guess you're blessed in basketball that you yeah. didn't take the job as fine, but you had that experience. No doubt. no doubt. I mean, I can I can sit across from you and tell you about that experience. Whereas the no, another guy, he could he didn't go there. He didn't right. interview there. He he has no idea what I'm talking about. Right. So it's completely different. I mean, I've done a lot of things because of the sport of basketball. Like I've traveled internationally. Um, even at Cal State Fullerton, I, I went to Bratislava, right. um, Slovakia. I've been to Venice because of basketball, chasing a kid, so to speak. Right. You know, trying to trying to convince them that this is the right place for them. So we've done a lot of things because of the sport. How has been the process at Fullerton as the head coach? Now you're wearing the big sombrero. You're the guy. Yeah. I mean, how was that process? Let's just let's take the first couple of years. I think learning that everything you say as the head coach is no longer a suggestion. That's what's going to happen. That's probably the first thing. The second thing I learned, and there's a big difference between as an assistant when you make a suggestion versus being a head coach and this is – this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Big suggestion. Right. A uh, big difference. Um, I think the, th- the second thing would be um, that you don't do X and O basketball stuff as a head coach or your time is like, if you put a percentage on it, I'd say 10% of it is, is X and O or concept stuff. Everything right. else, Meeting this booster, meeting that booster, community serve. You know, there's, there's different things that that have nothing to do with the final product or the final score. How was the process for you putting your staff together? Because now this is your first time. You've got to reach out to yeah. guys now. Yeah, you're rec- literally you're recruiting men. Yeah. to come be yeah. your assistants. You know, it was a little bit unique b- because I had did it as an assistant with Herb, okay. hiring different guys. But and you're hiring for Herb. For Herb. And, and and I think that's what makes him who he is as far as like one of the one one guy out there that has the most assist not not the assistant, but head coaches. Okay. Because you get to learn on the job, so to speak. Now you're still an assistant. Sure. But you're still the thought process is almost the same. Right. Um and, and, and so walking into Fullerton, I didn't I didn't necessarily know who I was gonna hire, but I had concept, concepts of what I wanted the first guy, the second guy, and the third guy. Okay. Like I had an idea as to what I was looking for. Okay. And it just so happens well, that- you had been all three of them, so yeah. you have a good, no I know doubt. what this guy needs to do, I know yep. what this guy needs to do, and my yep. number one has to be this guy. Yep. Can't shortchange anything. <clears throat> and, and it just so happens that John Smith fit the category, who's now the head coach at San Luis Obispo, Danny Sprinkle, fit the second category and he's now the head coach at Montana State and Rob Spence at the time was right. our was our third and he fit the category that I had in my head he's no longer in the business um, but they all fit that category now how did you recruit John right because he's a head coach at Riverside he doesn't need to leave it's weird I've known him for a while I didn't have to 
it's so weird. I didn't have to recruit him. So, so now you've known him. You knew. I've known him for a long time. And I will say this to anybody that's willing to listen. I am sitting here in front of you as the head coach at Cal State Fullerton because of John Smith. And not what he did necessarily and primarily at Cal State Fullerton, but what he did for me at Portland State. Really? He had two guys that we got at Portland State that we should have not gotten. From Riverside. He, From Riverside. No, he was at San Bernardino at oh, the time. San Bernardino. One of them came God, and he right. led the country in assists. That's the guy that we were recruiting. We needed a point guard. Bad. And so John well, that's called. That's a good and, start. Lead hey, the country in assists. You know, I got. I think. I think I have a pretty good point guard. Maybe you should come down and see him. So we saw him, loved him, and I'm, we were recruiting him. Well, his teammate, who happens to be his best friend, Blake Walker, says, I like Portland State too, but they're not recruiting me. <laughs> <laughs> and we weren't recruiting him because this guy had or- offers from Oregon State, from Kansas State, from Fresno State. Boise well, of course State. you're not recruiting him. So, no disrespect, but None yeah. taken. Like, I knew the deal. Like, why would I recruit you when those are your offers? Right. And those are only, like, five or six that I called off. He had offers from every. He could have went anywhere he wanted to. What the hell did he see in Portland State? The way that we treated the point guard, the interaction was real to him. The amount of times that we saw him. Everybody has the same, the equal opportunity time. Like uh-huh. I think right. it's seven. You can see a kid as much as seven times, and we did. We we would see him. The other schools that were recruiting Blake, they would they were they would see him two, three times. We saw them play the whole limit seven times, and he liked that. He loved it. I said, and and he said to to John, he's like, well, why why aren't they recruiting me? And he was like, well, I don't know. Maybe they don't need your spot. Let me ask. So he asked me, like, why are you guys not recruiting Blake? And my response to him was, is because I don't think we can get him. Yeah. Lo and behold, we have a conversation. I go down there. I put my head coach on the phone. He offers him. And now we're recruiting them both. We're literally recruiting them both. And we end up getting them both. And not, you know, I'm sitting here today as a head coach, not because of what John did for me at Fullerton, but what he did at at Portland. Portland State so long ago. Right. And I never forgot that. And we had a relationship. And long so, so you fast forward, we were talking about it a little bit, and I told him I had an interview, but it all happened so fast. It happened so fast to where Thursday I interviewed. I was back home Friday. I was sitting across from Herb. And Jim's calling me, and I'm telling her, Jim, the AD at, AD at Fullerton, he probably's calling, telling I didn't make it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, her was like, well, take the call, dummy. Why, what are you doing? Right. Take it. Don't, you don't have to be in front of me. You can take it. So I take the call, and I'm like, hey, Jim, how's it going? And he's like, well, you know, it's going really well, and, you know, assuming uh, we have one more step. We'd love for you to talk to the vice president at the time, and it was, it was um, Bernicia. Oh, right, right, right. <clears throat> he was like, you know, we would love for you to do a FaceTime interview. Are you set up to do that? And blah, blah, blah. And and if we do, if everything goes well, would we be working with an agent or would we be working with you? And so I'm a little floored. Like, I'd never had that conversation before. Yeah, this is the next step. 
So Herb could hear everything. And he's la- he's smiling, and, and I'm like, oh, sh- oh, shoot. It's getting real. Yeah, it's, it is real. And Herb is thinking, like, awesome, great. You See, know. it's funny. You're, you're worried about Herb's emotions. No question. And Herb's wanting you to leave the nest because he's had it done before. No you're doubt. Not, you're not breaking his heart. No doubt. You're no. actually making his heart better. No doubt. No doubt. And he feels good about it. Sure. That's the thing. He feels good about it. And he was like, yeah, you should take the call. Yeah, you should probably be ready to negotiate your contract. That's what it sounds like to me. You silly kid. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're at dinner. No, we have the conversation with, with uh, Bernicia, and it goes well. Um, Jim offers me the job probably about 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock on a Friday. And he tells me, listen, these are the parameters that you have, that, that, that we have to work with. This is the job. Um, take an hour or so to think about it and then we need to know what you're going to do and lo and behold Jim thought at the at the time that I was involved at San Jose State too oh. he didn't know that I wasn't I'd never interviewed so he's thinking okay I got my guy this is who I want but I know he's involved at another school we're going to try to Forces in right. and Moving see what along. he wants to do. Right. So he can't give it a Sunday because you could probably play a game. Right. Yeah. That's what he's thinking. Sure. I had never. I didn't even talk to San Jose State. I didn't. Right. Never. So uh, I call him back and I say, you know, yeah, I'm taking the job and we'll work on the details later and blah 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 blah. And I tell Jim, I said, you know, is, is it okay if we keep this a secret or between me and you? There's some other things that I got to do, and I was helping my kid. Our kid picked his agent, and I was at dinner, so I had to go outside. And so the kid doesn't talk to the agent anymore. He's talking to me. He's like, "So what's going on? What's 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 happening? I can see it all over your face. What's tell us what's going on?" And he, this kid, he knows me. Like this kid who played for Sarasota Arizona State, he has a key to my house right now. Like so, I don't know when when I'm gonna come home. And he could be on the couch or he could not be on the couch. I don't know, but he could see something was on my face. Right. And so he's like, I don't, I don't, "You want him to leave?" Talking about the agent. Yeah, he yes. leave if you need him to leave. I'm like, no, it's cool. We're here for you. We're talking about, you know, no, I don't care about me. We want to know what's going on with you. <laughs> yeah. So I have to tell him I'd just been offered the deal and blah, 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 blah. And so I'd had a staycation planned and still went on my staycation. And we, me and Jim or Jim and I had decided that we weren't going to say anything until the next day or the next day. Well, John calls, well, I'm out at the Marriott staying and I get a phone call at the Marriott with, from a friend of mine. He says, it's on ESPN. So, and it's like 6.45 that he calls my room and he says, it's already on ESPN. I don't know how it got out, but it's out that you're the next head coach. I'm like, what? Well, John calls probably an hour later and John, no, I called John. I called John an hour later and I said, John, I would love for you to join me. I understand it's, you know, it's a difficult situation. Take however much time you need. I need to know an answer within 24 hours. Within an hour of me telling him that, he calls me back and says, do what you need to do with everybody else. I'm in. Call me when you're ready, when you need me. That's how the conversation went. Wow. That's how the conversation went. And now I can be, it can be, he tells me that he only needed an hour because he needed to find his wife. And just track, to tell her. Track the boss down. I'm taking his job with this guy. This finally, my and 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 little did I know, or I knew actually, he took a pay cut 
to come to Cal State Fullerton. Oh, sure. He took a pay cut to come to Cal State Fullerton. And, and, and we all did. Right. Um, but, you know, the payoff is, is is he's a head coach now. Right. Danny Sprinkle's a head coach. So you would take that pay cut any day of the week, I think, if, if you can see the future. Mm-hmm. But that's how the conversation went. And that's, you know, I had an idea conceptually of, of who I wanted to hire and who I needed to hire. And since they have moved on, we've hired younger um, but I've added that to my description in terms of their energy level, in terms of, you know, like what's important to me, what's most important is the energy. Oh, absolutely. Can they bring it on their own? Because there's days when I when I barely make it to practice, I'm beat up from whatever I've dealt with. Right. Private, yes, previous to because practice. you have so many other things no you have to juggle. No doubt. So it's, 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 you know, it's been good to go through that. Did you see that juggle with the other coaches? And know going in like, okay, I got community stuff, I got to deal with administration, I got boosters, I got recruited. I mean, did you, I mean, because you're, God love you, you were young. You're really young. You know, and you and you took that and you had all kinds of energy. And yeah. I just thought, oh, I got this nice bubbly guy's <laughs> coach. He don't know what he's in for. <laughs> he's so happy. No, no. You know, like I, those first two years, those 24 months, did you just, was no. it a blur? It was, a, it totally, Jim says his best. And I'm going to steal his words. And at the time, I didn't know what he was talking about, but I do now. He says, you probably feel like you are drinking out of a fire hose. Yeah. And at the time, I'm like, what? Shut up, man. I'm, I'm worried about this or I'm doing this. But now I can literally see the example that he's given me. Like it's so much water, so much stuff that I'm literally trying to, trying to compile it all, and I and I can't. Right. I and I and I I, I won't do it moving forward. But again, I had to go through all of that to understand where I'm at today. Yeah, maybe Herb can't explain that to no. you when you're you got to go Nobody through can. it. You got to walk through the hot coals and understand. Nobody Don't can. stand too long because it's no. gonna burn. No. Keep moving. Yep. Keep moving. No doubt. Um, you know, like one of, the, and I'll give you this example. One of. I think I was I was on the job. I'd been on the job maybe two and a half months. And my agent at the time had told me, hey, man, you're going to have an APR issue. You're right, right. And I'm thinking to myself, shut up. I'm taking this job no matter what. And then he advised you on that. Yeah, going he in. said that before. He said, we've done the work. You're going to have an APR issue. Well, I had asked Jim about that. And he said, no, you're fine. It'll you're fine. It'll it'll work itself out. Probably about a month in, maybe a month and a half, Jim calls me. I'm off campus. Jim calls me. Well, how soon before you can be on be here? We're about to have a meeting. So I'm thinking it's normal, whatever. So I'm like, all right, 20 minutes. I'll be there in 20 minutes. So I run to campus. In the meeting is some really important people. I won't put all our right. business out there. It's all right. But some really important people. So I come in, I'm laughing, just like you said, uh-huh. I'm jovial, I'm yeah. joking. And Jim looks 60 at me. 60 days into yeah. this. this he great. looks at me and he says, this is not going to be a jovial meeting. <laughs> Immediately, my face just totally changes. And because of the people that were in the room, or I open the door slightly to let myself in. He says that, and then I close the door behind me and I see the other people, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's serious. Yeah, I can this see the serious. bodies in here, and this is this a serious, is serious committee. Serious. Well, turns out, we did have an APR issue. They miscalculated the APR. And so that was the meeting to tell me that we had miscalculated Surprise. that information. <laughs> 
So I have to now eat crow with my agent because everything that he told me was right. Damn it. And I'm thinking, whatever. He's, he's good at math. No doubt. He tells me we're right. And, and, and previous to that meeting, though, he said, hey, if you do these four things, we'll be fine. And the four thing, two of the I think three of them were graduating the current guys. Yes. Well, luckily for myself, Kwame, I knew who he was. He knew who I was, but because because we recruited him at Arizona State, um, I can't think of the other guy. He, I knew who he was. He knew who I was because we recruited him at Arizona State. It was ah, the guy from Cal. Slips my mind. Right oh, now. I know what you're talking about. Um, Gosh, yeah. he, he, he's, he transfers and he plays. Yes. He has to graduate. We get those two to graduate. The yeah, they came as a pair. Yeah. yeah. The third yeah, yeah. guy, I can, I can see his face, but I can't think of his name. It's a smooth <clears> point. The guard. third guy, we did everything we could to get him to graduate. Like everything we I did. Know. Everything. And he flat out just finally told me, Coach, I ain't graduating. It's too much. I got too much family, real life stuff. And everything I said, he was like, you can say whatever you want. Right. I'm not graduating. So I had to take this back to Jim and tell him, hey, we did three out of the four. This is it. And he said, initially, you're fine. Don't worry about it. You're good. About a month and a half later, he changed this, totally changed the deal. So we had to accept that penalty. And um, again, as a head coach, you're dealing with things that other people do. Right. But you get the credit or the non-credit for it. Mm -hmm. And so that was... You graduate your kids. Yeah. Good for you, coach. Yeah. Well, I didn't take the math class. It's on yeah. him. Yeah. The kids don't graduate. Again, I didn't take the test. Why am I getting the beating for it? No doubt. But and that's part of the job. That's part of being a head coach. Yeah. As an assistant, you said they say that. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you wake up the next morning, you go on your business. As a head coach, you don't sleep that night. No. Because it's on you. Right. And I started to understand that. And it took me two, two years. I mean, something simple as, I mean, simple as when I was an assistant coach, when I come in the room, the guys would still be laughing and joking and telling jokes. Mm -hmm. They need to talk about me. I talk about them. So in my mind, I'm thinking that part of the relationship will still be the same. Totally different. And and honestly, that was something that bothered me. Really? You were not, in the nicest way, you were not naive oh, and yeah. thinking that they yeah. would still be the ha, funny, rah-rah yeah. assistant coach guy? For the longest time. For, for well over two years, I thought I that I would be. I could have told you that immediately. Yeah. You well, I wish you would have. <laughs> I wish you would have. <laughs> no, it's... It really bothered me and, and to, to the point to where I would walk in the room and everybody would be quiet. Like our staff would... Nobody would right, say anything. Switches on and a I'm like, it's just me. What you want? Right. Why y'all being quiet? And and finally, the one of the assistants, Rob Spence, pulled me aside and said, it's a respect factor. Right. You have a presence. They know when you come in that room, it's business. Go time. It is real. And for the longest time, even after he told me that, still bothered me. Till took a little while to click. Still bothered me. Now I'm like, why is there... 
you better be quiet. I'm walking in. Right. You know? it, it, yeah. Now I understand it I mean, and I accept it. I can see it just as simply as when we're taking team photos and everybody's ass clowns trying mm-hmm. to figure out. And then you walk in from the double doors. Yeah. Everybody sits down. Now no they're doubt. ready to take the picture. <laughs> but for 20 minutes, I'm trying yeah. to herd cats. To yeah. Shut up. Sit down. <laughs> stop being an idiot. Yep. You walk in. Oh, that's all yep. I needed? Yep. Good looking guy in a suit. Yep. There it is. <clears throat> yep. That, that literally. And I didn't understand that power. You never, you don't understand the power. It takes time to get used to the power of being the head coach versus the assistant. Right. Something as simple as when you walk in the room, how you're perceived. Immediately. It changes. Oh, absolutely. Totally, and you have to be okay with that. And and I'll be honest, the first two two years, I was not okay with it. Like it bothered me. Like I would go home and almost cry. Right. Like, but you know, it's like that dynamics in a family. Like you can wrestle with dad, but you're not going to wrestle with mom. But right. your dad's going to drop the hammer on you. Right. Mom might threaten you with the wooden spoon, right. but she's never going to lay the <laughs> hammer on you. She says, yeah. "Wait till your father gets home," no and doubt. then you're just like, "Oh God, help me!" No doubt. I'm so sorry, mom. No I didn't doubt. mean to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you couldn't be the jokey, ass grabby no. assistant coach anymore. And I didn't understand that. I didn't. I thought it was all a part of the relationship that I had built over yeah. the course of my career. So I'm relying on the relationship. Like most of the guys that transferred in or or they were transfers that we inherited, mm-hmm. um, like Mikey Williams. Right. I knew who he was. I recruited him. I, th- I knew who he was and he went to San Francisco, but he transferred. So I'm thinking, oh, Mikey, no big deal. You know me, Mikey? Yeah. Man, Mikey, me. Would, he wouldn't say nothing. I mean, it was almost like he had peanut butter in his mouth <laughs> when I would walk in the door. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh. It was crazy. Something, something really that simple. It, it takes some, took some getting used to. So, do you pass down that kind of knowledge and experience to Danny? Because mm-hmm. right, John's been a head coach, but to, you say, listen, you saw what I went through. Yeah, you're going to be me now. Yeah. So you're now gonna have to deal with that stuff I think in a lot of a lot of ways I know for sure John got his job because he had been through that we had been through that together Mm -hmm. sprinkle I think is a little bit different because he went there and and he was the 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 fan favorite so to speak right but he can also pull that card I, I I've seen that I've been through that I understand what that's like um they use that to to the nth degree to like it's nobody's business that example they right. use that they, I'm like I understand I know and I can tell them but now they know because mm-hmm. they both have been through their first year right they understand it yeah both of them went through a crazy first year yeah you can't write a horror story no, like this you can't you can't the, nobody can nobody right. can I mean dealing with what we're dealing with and not being able to play in our conference tournament and having it canceled I mean it is completely um, out of a, out of a book, out right. of a movie script. My first two, the first two visual years shooting you were yeah. fantastic. Not yeah. that you've changed anything, yeah. but you don't rip your jacket off nearly <laughs> as much. You don't get teed up as often, which yeah. is kind of fun to shoot yeah. that. You know yeah. what? Yeah. You teed me up just because yeah. I said something about your mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, and, and again, too, I didn't realize that. Like half the time, my jacket would come off. I didn't even realize it was off. No, I wouldn't know. I would just be coaching. And and one thing that I shared with Jim, like if you. If you really want to see a guy coach a team up, like he really, he might not win the game, but if you want to see the adjustments and you want to see the guy coach, watch him his first two years or his first year right? because he doesn't know any of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. He's not privy to it. He hasn't seen it. It hasn't been around him. By the time he's entering his second and third year, 
you're not getting you don't see the good coach. You see the good manager right. of people, of of his staff, of his players, administration. Is he managing up? Is he managing down? Is he managing level? Those are the things you see. But the first year as a coach, you can watch as an administrator and a fan if a guy can really coach or not. Right. And, and you don't judge that based on whether he wins or loses. You judge it on what does he do after timeout. Right. Does he disrupt the team? Do the, or, or are they able to run what they want to run and they score? Um, or did he draw up a play and allow his team offensively? Did they get a good look? Yeah. That's how you can judge it. Watching you coming out of a timeout is so interesting because I can't tell sometimes if we're down 20 or up 20 because <laughs> you come out of a timeout and you grab, you wipe your face, you grab a towel. You just, <laughs> someone takes a clipboard from you. You're always the last one to get out of your seat. You look like you're 80 at that point. Getting I feel up, like it. You know, you got your hands on your thighs and you raise yourself up and I'm just like, we're up 10 yeah. with two and yeah. you're just dying. Yeah, you never know because that clock has not hit zero, zero, zero. Right. So you never know. And I am dying literally. Like everything that you described is everything that I feel. I feel 80. Right. Literally, I feel like did I, and, and I always ask myself, did I, am I clear? But can my team go out after a timeout and execute what I just drew up? Am I clear enough for them? And I'm getting better. I'm learning that. But that, again, that's another thing that you take for granted, so to speak, as an assistant. As an assistant, yeah. I got a chance to, I drew up stuff defensively and, but it's completely different as a head coach when all eyes are on you. Everybody's yeah. watching and seeing what you're doing. Right. Completely, completely Five different. Five stars are all staring at you. Yeah. Everybody else is waiting to go in. Yeah. They're looking at you. Yeah. You always have the two that aren't paying attention. Never. That's all right. Never. Never. <laughs> I'm glad you, you said that. You can't get everybody's attention. <laughs> glad you said that because we have them. Oh, God. Everybody has them. It doesn't matter yeah. where you're at. Yeah. There's always somebody looking at the blonde in the stands or the TV no camera. Doubt. No doubt. <laughs> so... And we talked about this in the topics. Like, so what is the biggest challenge with teaching your athletes today, this leadership? Like, you're teaching young men. Yeah. It is a challenge. Hell, it's a challenge for me just to deal with them. Yeah. yeah. God love you. I don't know. You, you don't get paid enough. But, yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's it a challenge. It what, is. What, what, what is your day-to-day -day with these guys? You know, I think, I think we've learned that everybody learns differently. Number one, some guys can see it. Some guys need to hear it. Some guys need to do both. Um, so we've learned that. And, and I think more than anything, I, I don't spend as much time trying to do a lot. We do one, two, and three. Okay. Because people remember things in three. Right. The kids, hopefully, they'll remember two out of the three or one out of the three. And I don't think probably do, but I don't think I get as upset with the guy if he remembers one out of three versus zero out of three. Right. Um, and so trying to teach the guys that way and teach young men that way, like there is a choice. You're going to always have a choice and trying to do right. Even if you choose to do wrong, if you can step back and realize that was a wrong decision, this is the right one. This is why it's the right one. I'll choose that the next time you've done your job. Yeah. And, and I think managing the expectations of yourself are, are important. Um, what you're teaching, how you're teaching it, it's important. But managing those expectations as far as did they learn three out of three or did they learn one out of three? What are your expectations? What do you think 
will allow them to be productive and successful citizens. Yeah, because I mean that's your challenge, right? You're bringing in young kids. Um, they're the majority of them are black males. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. They're, they're males. <laughs> that's other other team. Otherwise, that's Jeff's yeah. responsibility. Yeah, but, that, that is Jeff. Right, but then you know you got to get them through school. Yeah, and you've got to explain to them the NBA is not an option. Okay, stop. Yeah. You could play basketball overseas might be an option. We hope to develop you as an NBA player, but don't think I'm a one and done. Yeah. Like how much of your time is trying to get through to their thick skulls? Yeah. Education. I do it and I'm not even their coach, but yeah. as the team photographer. Yeah. And my parent in me goes, yeah. "How school?" Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, how are you doing? Yeah. Got your shit together? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. It's different because most of them don't think that they are coming for school. Oh, God, yes. They think they are coming to get better or do what they've done, allowing them to play at the next level. So breaking down that stuff, here's what's important. The academics, that's important. Yes. And it's important to me because I want to see you graduate. It, it has to be important to you because you can't do one without the other. And in most places, in most cases, if you're struggling in the classroom, you're probably struggling on the floor. Right. Most cases. Yeah. And so trying to get them to understand that and then buy into those concepts. If you are taking care of your business on the class in the classroom, you probably are doing that on the floor. Mm -hmm. More than likely doing that on the floor. And, and so getting them to buy into that and, and understand those those things is it's not easy. But it has to be done. And so I've learned that the one thing that these young men like is consistency. And so if you say the same thing a different way, you're still being consistent. But they hear a different. You said the same thing. Is that the same thing? You said it the same thing. You said the same thing, but you said it different. And that's all they know is it. Oh, he said the same thing or he said something, but it's different. It's the same. Right. They like that consistency. So trying to be consistency. Hey, here's what I'm going to be upset with you about. Here's what I'm going to be disappointed about. Here's what I'm going to be extremely excited about. Because if you do this, whether we win or lose, I could care less. But if you do this, we'll probably win. And if we don't win and you did it, so what? You chose what's right. And it took me a while to get there. It took me a while to understand that concept. And one of one of my mentors, his name is Brad Williams, um, I've, I've known him my whole life, literally. Okay. Like I grew up under him. And he sent me this book and it's the book is titled Lead for God's Sake. And and it doesn't talk about the outcome. It talks about the process. The process. Yeah. And you hear Saban, I think, Nick Saban has probably made it the most famous with that saying of worrying about the process, don't worry about the outcome. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's on one of... It's on my phone. It says, like I carry it and I stole it from my barber. Strive for progress, not for perfection. Strive for progress. And so I started to understand that concept. I started to buy into that. And you asked, how do you teach these young men? Number one, the expectations. But number two, as long as they're incrementally getting better, we, I rule that as a successful. Right. And if we do better with consistency, then we can expect to win. If we don't do it consistently, then we'll be up and down. Right. We'll win games, we'll lose games. 
But if you do it consistently, you can expect to you can expect a good outcome, I should say. Right. I'm always badgering them, you know, because I'm asking, what are you taking? Oh, I'm yeah. taking, I'm not sure. I may be sociology or maybe kinesiology. Yeah. I'm like, listen, someone's paying you yeah. a free education, right? Yeah. I mean, you might not get cat, but you're getting a free education. They're paying you to come here and get a free education. Look into business. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. yeah. So is playing basketball. Yeah. But someone's going to give you a chance at getting a business degree. You're going to get a good network and you can do anything with it. But what are you going to get with a degree that maybe you're not going to finish? You haven't learned anything, but it's like it's such a rock hitting them it in is. front of the head. It is. Like, come on, guys. It is. And I think I think it's uh, their heart is hit or their head is hard because, again, they don't think they're there for the academic piece. Right. They only think they're there for the you know for the athletic piece. Right. And so much so to where when we first got here, I would not let let our guys major in certain things. Good. That no, we we're either either we're not going to recruit that guy because that's what he wants to major in, or he's going to change his major. Right. One or the other. But we're we're not no longer can they they major in that. Right. Which a lot of our kids were majoring in, and they were majoring in that because they were just trying to get through. Just get through. Get through. Get by. And, and, and I say that. that's they wouldn't even graduate. They would major in that, and they wouldn't even graduate in it. Like, wait a minute. You're telling me you're all in on this, but you don't finish? Yeah. So what, what's yep. the point? And, and to me, that's one of the beauties of Cal State Fullerton is that there are so many majors. Yeah. Right. You can literally find whatever major you want on the campus of Cal State Fullerton. Almost, you can make it up. And so, um, we talk about that in the recruiting process. Like, what is your major? And most of the kids that we're recruiting are, they, they have an idea of what they what they want. You know, some of them come in, they're junior college transfers and they want to be business. Well, you've taken all of your underclass work in computer science that doesn't go to get, doesn't go like <laughs> yeah, that. it doesn't go. So, you know, we, we still struggle there, but for the most part, our kids understand we, we're gonna we're gonna hold the standard high, and we're gonna make make them get a degree in a subject that is worth something. Yeah, it's that's gonna change, we're gonna, it's a degree. It's gonna change your life. It's a life changing education. Yeah, literally. And the parents love to hear us talk about that, and we we do talk about it. Like like I just on the way down here, I just received an email on the way down here on the on the ramp over the. With, Brought me to the four or five. One of our kids, Devon, who's a senior, right, graduated. Great. He had two classes to finish in the summer, and one of the ladies uh, emailed me and said that he finished it. He's officially a graduate of Cal State Fullerton, and I mean, I couldn't be more happier. Right. I could not be happy. And the only thing that would frustrate me more it would probably be in the timeout. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. Now that you're the head coach, mm-hmm. right? Just completed season eight? Seven. Seven. Going on eight. Going on eight. How is your experience now teaching assistant coaches? Because mm-hmm. like Anthony is one of my examples. Like this yeah. is a guy, lowest totem pole. Yeah. Now he's worked his way all the way up. Like <clears throat> you're the guy teaching assistant coaches now. Are you getting that experience that you used when you were an assistant coach and presenting it to them? And I hope so. I hope so. Um, and a lot of it has to do with them as assistants, them as young coaches wanting that information 
because there's I feel like there's a lot of information out there. I have a lot of information because I've been through a lot. But if you yeah, you're 20 years in, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you don't want it, though. It does me no good. Right. You know, and I can tell if you want it or not by the questions you ask. And Anthony is a prime example of a guy who wants to be good because he's constantly asking, well, how should I do this or how should I do that? And and one of the reasons that we kept Anthony was simply because he knew, for lack of a better term, where all the bodies were buried. He knew everything about Cal State Fullerton. Right. And he's worked his way from nothing to ops. So now he's a full-time assistant and he still has all of that information. So even the new guys, Dunson and, and Arginal, they come to, gut, to to Santos and ask him information. Yeah. Um, what do you know? I, I need to know. Yeah, no doubt. What, the Fullerton way, so to speak. Right. Um, and, and in turn, they're teaching him different ways of recruiting, different ways of coaching, different ways of touching different guys, reaching different guys. Um, but but Anthony, I think, is a prime example because of the qu- the types of questions. But he's always around me. He's always, and I say this all the time, and I'll say it publicly, like, I don't breathe without him knowing. I don't. I don't, literally, I don't take a breath without Santos knowing. Does every coach kind of have that guy, though? I don't know. I think so. Did Herb have that or anybody at Nevada or Portland? Yeah, he or it, Herb had it, and I could see it because I was with him the longest. Okay. Yeah, um, I mean, you were there for a long time. At Loyola Marymount, he had it um, with a guy, and I could, it was easy to tell. Like, that was his guy. If you, like, literally, Herb had it my first year, and it was one of his former players, Archie Miller, who's now the head coach at Indiana. Okay, yeah. If you wanted Herb to hear you say something during the course of the game— I never said it. I'd tell Archie. Archie would tell Herb. And he would listen. And he probably would do it. But if I said it, he probably wouldn't even hear me, let alone do it. But watching them and understanding the dynamics of that, understanding, okay, I could choose my ego over winning. Oh, he ain't listening to me. I ain't saying nothing. And we lose. Or I can see he listens to Arch. Recognize it, understand it. Hey, Arch, this is this, this is that, this is so. Tell her, and we do it, and we win. Who right. cares? We won. Right. I don't care. I just want to win. Right. And so that in itself, understanding that, that the dynamics, I think every coach inevitably has that person. Um, I know I do. I know I do. And I don't pick any bones about it. I'll tell anybody that is willing to listen, even the new guys, even though they played while I was coaching as an assistant, I, I trust them. I love them to death, but they have they only know me as an assistant. They're learning me as a head coach. Right. Santos doesn't know me as an assistant. He only knows me as a head coach. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference between the two and, and getting to know that person. I think, I think it says something. he's been with you so long now. He's, yeah, he's been with me as long as I've been here. Right. At he knows your shoe size. No like doubt. He can go get your underwear at Walmart and no take doubt. care of you. He knows you. Yep. He knows what makes me mad. What what information he will, will piss me yeah. off, and what to provide you with yeah. the right moment? Like, yeah. I'm gonna shortcut this and just tell you right now. Yep, all of that stuff, and and the other guys are learning, and and to me, the fact that they're they want to learn, it says some a lot about them. And the give and take is that if I get on the phone with an AD or a guy that's thinking about hiring them, I'm gonna go into sh- I, I can give them those examples of what they learned. Or the fact that they're open to learning, or this is what they know, this is what they don't know. 
Right. You know, I can That's tell big. that guy and, and I can give him real time examples. And again, I learned it all, not all, but most of it from Herb. Yeah. That's what he would do. We're going to be right back after a quick break for our sponsor. Recruiting at Davis 20 years ago, mm. recruiting now. That damn phone, internet, sports center's been around forever. But yeah. how's the 20 year challenge been recruiting? It's different. It's totally, totally, totally different. And, and you don't have to, you don't need to. I should say, go out as much now as you probably did then because of the lack of exposure. Right. The phone, the internet, people sending you stuff on email and all you of that stuff. You can watch live cams of, of games being played all yeah. over the country. You can, you can watch that now, yeah. So so it's different. Can you ever have imagined high school games being broadcast mm. when you were playing? And not only being broadcast, but now... Coaches are making decisions off of what's being broadcast. Right. I never ever would have imagined that. Never would have imagined that. Not even close. And if and if if you're stuck and you can't make a decision, if you're a head coach and you're stuck in the, in your ways in the old school way of thinking, you're gonna you're gonna lose some time. Oh. If you if you're not willing to make a decision based on that film, if you're not willing to make an evaluation based on that film, you're gonna lose some time. And that's probably the biggest difference. Uh, in 20 years as far as recruiting. I can watch a kid literally on my phone. Right. One of one of our assistants will send it to me. Hey, this, this, we made this, this is our clip. Because I won't watch what the young man has sent me. No, yeah, I'm not no, watching that. No. I'm, I will we'll watch, I'll watch, and they, <laughs> they're funny. They'll say, hey coach, we, this is ours, we made this up. Would you watch it and tell me what you think? And, and literally I'm all, look on my phone and turn my phone this way and I watch our one of our best players we got off of off of a YouTube uh, 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 a video clip that we trusted the guy that sent it to us we really were, we were watching I don't remember who was in the gym or who we were watching but John was sitting to my right we were watching a game he and I both we were watching a game and he's looking at his phone I ain't whatever I ain't paying right. no attention to him he's looking at his phone and then he hands me his phone. He's like, you should look at this. Doesn't say anything. He says, you should look at this. So I'm looking and I'm like, wow, who is this dude? Let's watch that again. So he rewinds <laughs> it and I watch it again. I said, man, look, let's go outside. Screw whoever was playing. God bless their soul. I have right. no idea what's playing. But, our, but Kyle Allman Jr., that's how we got him off of a video that a guy that sent it to us, and because we trust that guy so much in New York, he literally sent the video to John. He said, you should watch this. John watched it. D, you should watch it. I think it's pretty good. You should watch it. So I watched it, and we went outside and called the guy. And then we got on the phone later that afternoon with the kid. And that's how Kyle Allman Jr. got here. Wow. Literally, and those are some of the best recruiting stories. Sure, not that I, not that it was a drag out, drag out, knock down, drag out fight, and we had to beat this school and that school. It's literally we were watching a kid live, but the kid we ended up with, we were watching him on our phones. Jesus, crazy! And he leaves here as the second. I think Kyle Loman Jr. is the second leading scorer in school history. Did you go down as the second? I think he's the second because I lost. Khalil. The way it or went, fifth. He's the fifth. He's the fifth. Khalil's the second. I, 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 the way the season ended, it just kind of blew my head off. Yeah. So I have no idea of numbers yeah. anymore. Yeah, he's the second. He's so the fifth. Are parents or are the players your biggest challenge in recruiting today? I would say the parents. 
and, and the parents can come in any form. It could be their parents, or it could be a high school coach, or it could oh, be their right, AAU coach. Right. You know, whoever's got that young person's ear. Yes, is the uncle. The uncle. I mean, we literally lost a kid because of an uncle. Oh, we lost the kid. Probably, uh, this kid's still playing, so I won't say his name. No, no, but, he's, but it happens. He's, it happens. He's, he's, he's probably one of the best players to ever play on the West Coast where he's at right now. And he should be at our level. And he's playing at a higher level than ours. <sighs> and, and, and I've graduated to a point to where, and I probably shouldn't say this public, but I don't care. Um, I've graduated to the point in the day that we live in where transfers are so rapid and so fluid. Yes. To where, hey, listen. Give me a try. If you do what you're supposed to and the big boys come knocking or you want to explore that, I'll help you. But come here and do what you're supposed to do if you think you're that good. Come show out at this place. Right. Because my thing is if you show out at this place, we've won a lot of games. And if you need to move on, move on. Sure. But we we as Fullerton have gotten our money's worth, right. so to speak. If you think you're ready for Kentucky, come on and play here. No doubt. No doubt. And, and, and I'll say that. I'll say that to certain certain players and certain parents. Do you remember Travis Reed? He was at UCLA. Yeah. Yep. And then he transferred to Long Beach State. It was one of those rare yep. guys that I saw come, and I went, oh, I, you should still be at UCLA. Yeah. Because for yeah. the year or two, he was he absolutely dominated with that yeah. big butt. Just, yeah. Just everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. It was like, damn, you, you've got Pac-12, 10 talent, and yeah. you just, you're yeah. here now. And, and, and I think... I you forget can play. That. Players play. No question. There's no fooling anybody. And I think that's the difference now, too, 20 years, because of the exposure. Players play. They're going to, if they go to Cal State Fullerton or they go to UCLA or they go to Stanford or they go to Cal State Stanislaus, the jobs of the NBA is not to find, or, or the, I should say, I'll say it this way, the job of the NBA scouts is to find the best player, period. Right. It doesn't matter what's on their chest. Nope. It only matters, are you productive? And then are you consistent? That's what matters most. Um, and then can you get better? Right. That matters even more. Yeah. But going they don't want to recruit or they don't want to draft a guy and that's as good as he is. Yeah. No, they won't mess that with that guy. ugly NBA. Yeah, they won't mess with that guy. They won't, they won't mess with that guy. And I, like, I think... Bobby Brown is probably the best, one of the examples that I'll use. He went to Fullerton. Right. Didn't have anywhere else to go. Nope. But the guy is a multi-millionaire because he plays, because he play, he's played pro basketball, and he's good. Mm -hmm. He's really, really good. Nobody, nobody gives him the credit that he deserves, in my opinion, except the people that are paying him. Right. And those are the people that, are, that, are, that will say, Bobby Brown's really good. Right. You know, I mean, you, you, you go back as far as, oh, he's a ref now. I can't see his, I can't say his. I, I, Kevin? No. Uh, no. He, Lynn, oh, not, not Lynn. Oh, gosh. He's, if he hears this thing, he's going to kill me, too. <laughs> well, I want to get you teed up in the beginning of the year. No, he's an NBA ref. Oh, then okay. He's an NBA ref, and he played at Fullerton. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So, Keith. Keith. No. Nope. No. He broke a backboard. I know what you're talking about. He's a point guard. Oh, no. Uh, oh, damn it. Uh, starts with an L. Yep. I'm going to look at my phone. At any rate, Michael Jordan gives him his just due. And you know how we think of Michael Jordan. Right. But he calls him 
the be- Leon Wood. Leon Wood calls him the 84. best, one of the best players that he played that he's played with. Now Leon and Michael played on the Olympic. 84, 84 Olympic team. Yep. Michael Jordan's at North Carolina, and Leon is at Fullerton. Right. But he's still one of the best players that Michael Jordan has ever played with. Mm-hmm. And Michael Jordan can play with anybody. No, I think so. He can play with anybody. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he's so world-renowned. Literally, I was on a golf course, and the guy was talking about Michael Jordan. Right. That's what he's talking about. So it, 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 I think that's the biggest difference, though. Like, nowadays, you see more Leons. Leon Wood than you right. do than you did back then. You see more Cedric Sabalos's now. You see more of the guys that are that are coming from quote unquote the lower level to go and play pro, pro like Bruce Bowen winning right. three national or not national world champions world championships. Yep. The guy just he knows he knows who he is. He knows what he does, and he does it, and he does it consistently. See now, and like with Bruce, he understood his role, mm-hmm. right? And like Cedric is the same way. I'm going to get garbage points. I'm going to rebound. Mm-hmm. How is it for you to get the kids to understand? You got a role. Not everybody can score. You know, you got you got to bang the boards and rebound. Play tough D. And I mean, that's I, I see your face. That's the challenge, right? <laughs> it is the challenge, and I don't know that I've mastered that challenge. Right. I mean, you don't have to be Jordan. You can be Dennis Rodman. Yeah. And yeah. rebound. 17 boards. Yeah. Nowadays, nobody wants to be Dennis Rodman because he's never on SportsCenter. Nowadays, everybody wants to be Michael Jordan because he's on SportsCenter every night. He's on the top 10 every night. And I have yet to master the understanding of a role player or, a, or this is your role. And it's so funny. I tried to do that with Kyle Allman Jr. Hey, man, you can make a lot of money if you understand what you're doing and how to do it, how to do it consistently. He never bought into that. But if you watch him play now, he understands. Yeah, and and it's not even. It's only been two years. Yeah, it's only been two years. It's funny how that works. It's weird how that works. Right, My, Mike and I had this project where we took freshmen, from, one from each sport, and we asked them questions. And four years later, we asked the same students the same questions. Yeah, and I and I said, "What's the what's the one thing you could tell the eighteen year old you?" And they said. Understanding time management. Yep. I had no idea that if I wrote a paper on Tuesday, it was a lot better than writing it on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. And understanding yeah. time management. And then yeah. the other thing was is trusting yourself as an athlete. Like, yeah, yeah I'm going to get better yeah. if I listen to the coaches and yeah. the assistant coaches. And I, I'm not that brilliant at 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, just getting around and understanding that you're here for a purpose. Listen to everybody. No They'll doubt. make you better. No doubt. I'll, I'll one-up you there and challenge you and Mike to continue interviewing the seniors or, or you know, four years removed. But I will say this. If they want to make money, it's an easy way to make money. Oh, yeah. Write a note to your former self and sell it to the 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. You'd be amazed at who would buy that. And it's probably not the 18-year-old. Yeah. It'd probably be somebody else. But just think about, like, like everybody wants to know how they're going to make money when they leave college. Right. Here, I, I, I think I started in 16, 17. Started with that, 
group of seniors trying to tell them, just write a letter to your 18-year-old self and give it to me. Or we can start a scrapbook for our program. Mm-hmm. The 18-year-old comes in and you become a senior. After you graduate, write me a letter. Let me put it in the scrapbook and I'll, I'll let them read it and I'll take it back. But the information is what's so valuable. Oh, so valuable. So valuable. And, and they don't, they don't, nobody as of yet has done that. So I challenge you and Mike, All right. get somebody to do that. Great. That's our next project. <laughs> we'll split the dividends. <laughs> okay. So if you could be king for a day, mm. what rule changes would you like to see in men's basketball? Um, the one that I think would really change how coaches coach would be if you can call a timeout and advance the ball. Oh, okay. Like the NBA does. The NBA does take it Advancing, to half court. Yep. <clears throat> I think that would be uh, the number one because you would you would get a lot of coaching done in that timeout. Whether or not a team comes out and executes executes it and stuff, it goes back to the discipline point that we made earlier. But you would be able to see whether a team, whether a coach can get his guys to execute that 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 play. Um, but calling a timeout, I think, um, I think also the, you didn't ask me this, but I'm going to tell you. Tell me. The tell other me. rule that I would change is like right now. With, I think it's. It, it has to be in the last two minutes for the coach to be able to call a timeout. I don't, or, or I can't call a timeout ever. I can't. Like, I can't go to the ref, hey, this is timeout. Oh, okay. I have to wait. If it's a live ball, I have to tell the player to tell the ref. Right. And sometimes, as you and I know, the player will never look at the coach. <laughs> Shocking. They'll never, never yeah. acknowledge the coach. Hey, I need a timeout. They didn't go in and shot the ball. Right. Like I've seen it happen in an AAU guy in an AAU team. It's funny. It's, a, it's actually a funny story because the guy plays that watch <laughs> plays that played at Washington State. He ignored his AAU coach so bad. Like the coach is on the right side of the floor. The benches are on the right side of the floor. Okay. He gets the outlet, the inbound outlet, and goes up the left. <laughs> As far as you can go left without being out of bounds, like three times in a row. <laughs> Jesus, and, and that's and effort, no doubt. And I'm thinking to myself, "You want me to recruit this guy? Right. I know what he's doing. Yes, and he's ignoring that dude. He's ignoring him, and regardless of what he has to tell and him. And if he's doing it now at 18, what's he going to be at 21? He's going to be worse. Yeah, but it, 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 I think I think giving the coaches the control of the game. Would be better than than giving that control to the to the players, but those two things, and I know they both are centered around timeouts, but I think those two things would 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 change. The other rule change that I would that I would have would be um, three seconds defensively, like everybody wants to see scoring. Right. Well, in college, a guy can camp out in the lane. Sure. He doesn't even have to guard his guy. No. And I tell our guys all the time, hey. If you're not, if you're not, if the ball's way over there and you're not on the midline, you are terrible. You're terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, but if you want to impact scoring, it's not the hand checking foul that that really that changes so much and it's so objective. Right. So objective and and you know from minute you, to minute and referee and no yeah. doubt at the beginning of the game to the end of the game. If you want to change it, call three seconds defensively, because now a guy has to make a decision: am I am I in the lane? Okay, I'm 2.9. Now I'm out. Get back in the lane. Get out. 
I've seen in the NBA where they've the ball's on that side, and the guy will go out of the lane on that side. He's guarding a guy oh. that way, and he'll guard. You know, he'll go out on right. the lane that way. But my point is just, you know, if you want to increase scoring, call defensive three seconds, and you'll change. To me, you'll change the way that everybody coaches the game, and you'll increase scoring because there's nobody there. Wow. Nobody can be there. And if they are there, they're committing early, two on the ball. Now it becomes the offensive guy. Can he kick? Can he read the, can he read kick the it floor out? and right. kick it out? And can that guy make a shot? Hmm. It's it, to me total game changer. I've always liked this one. Chick Hearns used to be adamant about this: is players fouling out. You know, mm-hmm. people come buy tickets to watch players play. Mm-hmm. Same thing I think with college: not fouling out, but when you get after five, you get the yeah. foul and then the technical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And it changes. It changes. um, Because I hate it when, and it happened a lot with our big men once in a while early. They get their two fouls in the first four minutes, and you're like, my whole strategy changes now. Totally changes. Now i got to go to the third guy on the bench, and you're just, oh. Trust me, he's the third guy on the the bench for a reason. Right. (laughs) He's got two left feet, and he doesn't even have his shoes on yet. And you just chew gum and run at the same time. Right, and so now i got to play him. I mean, the whole strategy changes. Mm -hmm. So I would like to see that one. And yeah. then the other one is, I hate the arrow. Jump ball. Yeah. yeah. What do I mean? The possession I, 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 I stop yeah. you on defense, and then you get it back as the yeah. arrow with eight seconds left? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it does. And, and they, they've I've You heard penalize talk, winning. No doubt. You penalize winning. And I've heard them talk about it, but but there's it, the difference is, is the pace of the game. That's what they they think. It, you because you don't have to line up for the jump ball, because you don't have to throw it up. You just take it out of bounds. Oh, it's the pace of play. Yeah, but they don't mind when we have replay. No doubt. And they're sitting there staring about his, his shoestrings no on the three point line or out of bounds no or. Just make a call. And get on with it. Yeah. Just make a call. Who cares? Right. This it doesn't take that long. Which which it doesn't take that long. It does not take that long. Doesn't. Where do you see the future of college basketball? Maybe in the next five, ten years? Because twenty years ago, when yeah. you were a young man, it's it's completely changed. Yeah, I think the dynamics of the court or uh, the diagrams on the courts, some of those will change. Like they're going to move the three point line back again. Again, I think I think to it'll it'll either go to the NBA or or it'll be somewhere in the middle between the NBA and where it is right now um, because it's, you know, guys that can shoot where it is right now. It's it, it's far for guys that can't shoot. Right. But guys that can shoot, it's not that far. It's really not. It's, it's not that far at all. I mean, you, if you can shoot, you can shoot. Um, but I do think they'll change that. I don't know if they'll change the three seconds in the way that the, the, the scoring, but I think teams will score a lot more. In college, that they than they do right now. I think they'll change the rules, or they'll they'll impact uh, the game some way to to affect scoring, where teams will score more than they do now. Right. Well, that I mean that's a good segue into what we talked about earlier. When I want to ask you this question: Do you think Paul Westhead's mm-hmm. offense would work today? I think his offense would. I don't think the way that they played defense would. Because more more than anything, the way that they played defense was hurry up and score so we can take it out. Right, so we can score again. And but, but would you as a fan or as a coach, if you won 20, 129 to 121, does that, that doesn't bother you any less than if you won 41-38, which we've done in the past? Especially <laughs> if that's your style. Everybody has to 
get ready for that style and everybody can't score 121 points and you've seen it yourself like right. you said we've won games in the 50s yeah well if your team and you've recruited well enough to where you can score like that 100 points a game most teams will not be able to score that way so right. I mean, could a system work yeah it'll work but I think whoever can guard if, if a team can guard they'll 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 be able to deal with them. Now, the majority of people won't be able to deal with them because they think they'll, they'll change their style. They'll think, okay, we need to adapt to the Loyola Miramont or Paul Westphal's style. His style is his style. It's him. That's right. who he is, which is scoring. They've been doing that for the whole year. They condition for that. Oh, they yes. practice for that. So they're pretty good at it. You are not going to all of a sudden be become you know, become good at it. Right, you saw it in that NCAA tournament in their run when they did no that. Doubt. They no beat doubl. the champs and everything. Yeah. Everybody guys were winded. No, Michigan looked like they were dying. <laughs> and that's that's the key. That's the key is is to do your style and do it consistently. Um, but I think they would lose the big games. I just think in this day and age where, like for us even at Fullerton, we're trying to get butts in the seats and these kids would rather look at their phone yeah. and binge watch the yeah. game of whatever thrown yeah. 500 times. Yeah. If you played a more exciting basketball or the game was more exciting, that helps keep butts no in the seats in places that no need doubt. them. No you know, your Sac State, your Fullerton. No doubt. Riverside, Any, our, our league, right? Our whole with league, with the exception of Hawaii. Um, everybody They've got an attendance issue. Yeah, there's got an attendance issue, and I think, and, and, and it's not that the basketball is bad; it's the students. It's no the, doubt, it's the lifestyle today. They don't come, and and you know the way that we've played at Fullerton, the way that the the, the league champion has played, it's more of a, a, a defensive oriented game, and it's probably slower. And just for the record, like. I want to play as fast as we can. Sure. I want to. I want to. I want to play Nobody as fast as we can. Nobody wants to win in the 30s. I'm not willing to relent on the defensive side. Like, yeah. Like, don't let them come down and score, and then you try to go out and score. Try to go out and score. We don't have those type of players. Um, we. We struggle to get those type of players, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's the racehorse. That's what everybody yeah. wants. Yeah, yeah. But but if we if we my my biggest thing is if we can stop them from scoring, only let them score once, and we rebound it, let's go. Sure. Defend. My model is defend, rebound, and run. But not everybody wants to run. That's the other thing. Not everybody wants to to to, to be or to space the floor the way that they will have to space the floor if they're NBA guys or if they're European right. guys. Yes. They don't want to do that. And and they don't understand that they got to be in shape, number one. Number two, they also have to understand, like when you watch the NBA, it's really nothing but a middle ball screen. And yeah. everybody else is spaced. And if you help, they're spaced in such a way that that guy with the ball, he can read that help and he throws it to that guy. And if that, that guy can shoot, game over. Oof. Literally, it's that simple. It's that simple. That's the way that they're playing right now. I don't know that it'll change. I think it'll go further in that direction. Like right now, we're seeing the guy in the corner is now Brooke and Robin Lopez. Right. The guy that's setting the screen is Giannis. Yeah. Who's the three man or the four man. Right. The five man is no longer in none of the NBA teams, no matter who it is. All of them are playing five out. I think we'll continue to go in that direction. 
oh, that's such a weird way to look at the NBA. Can't imagine Kareem being in the corner yeah. and not setting you know anything yeah. or Elijah Wan or any of the guys in the big men. That just it's yeah, so- it's, this is going to sound crazy. I don't know that Kareem and the guys that were around the basket that were as good as they were, I don't know if they would be as good as they are or were then. I don't know if they would be the same now because the game is changing. Oh, it's, it's, Kareem couldn't step outside and shoot. He had the sky hook, but he had to get the ball within the within his scoring realm. But if he got it 17 feet, Forget he would have gotten beaten to death. If you know, yeah. from John would have crushed yeah. him if he tried yeah. to take that shot. Yeah, I mean that's just you did not do that. Yeah. So like, I don't know if those guys. And this this sounds crazy, but I don't know. If those guys would be as good, now I'm not right. saying they're talent. They're right. not. They, yeah. they are talent. The way the game is, but the game, the way the game has evolved, I don't know it would feature. I don't know that the game would feature Kareem or Wilt. Those guys that are not skilled, like we talked about earlier, those guys that are not skilled that can't step out and shoot. I don't know if those there's going to be room, much room for those guys to be featured in an offensive system moving forward. Right. That'd be really a weird situation. Very, very. Let's talk about the weird situation. I shoot two days of women's basketball, and I'm expecting to see you at some point in the arena, and it gets announced we are not playing men's basketball. Yeah. Where were you, and what was that like? Because I didn't get to see you that day. I had always, I was ready to yeah. see you. Yeah, we, and we were the first game of the tournament, the 12 o'clock game. Uh, we were all in the hotel. Um, when I got the call, I was I was on my bed with our staff. Our staff was in my or the staff was in my room. Who calls you? Uh, Greg. Okay. And he says, "Hey, we we're gonna have a call, um, you know, in 15 minutes or however long. It's gonna be a conference call, but we think they're going to cancel it." I'm like, that makes sense to me because, as you know, the East is three hours ahead of us, and they were playing, and they went as far as to pull a couple of teams off the floor, like in the middle of the game. Right. Or they they went to halftime and they, and they didn't never come came back, back out. Right. Um, what let me know that the, that it was serious was the night before we were at a team dinner, and I think the Mavericks were going to play the Utah Jazz, and that's when it really started. Like Kobe, Gobert, right? He had it. Later, we found out he had the the virus, but they never played the game. They were there was a game before them. They played, but they were getting ready to come on, and we were at team dinner watching them not play. So them not playing, the NBA, the best of the best, not playing, it it let me know that when I woke up the next day. There was a chance? There was a chance that we we weren't going to play. How'd you break it to the kids? I think I just just flat out just, just told them, and I think they expected it because they were seeing the same thing that I was seeing the night before. They were up that morning because we played at 12 o'clock, which meant we probably were going to get to the the arena about 10.30. Right. So they were up already. We had had breakfast already, but they were up watching TV and seeing some of the Big East or, or some of the tournaments on the East be canceled. So they kind of had an idea, and they started to text me, started to wonder, like, hey, are we going to play or, you know, is this going to be over? And sure enough... They, I think we were supposed to leave at 10 or 10 15. That makes sense, yeah. They called about 9 45 with the final decision. Oh. And then we had 10 40, 10, 10 o'clock or 10 15, maybe even 10 30. We had a head coach's meeting at, with our with the uh, Fullerton at Cal State Fullerton. Right. Jim called the meeting. 
So it was. It was weird. I'm on the court. Yeah. I'm setting up. I'm expecting I'll see you guys at some point. Yeah. yeah. Irvine's got shoot arounds. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden he yells out, We're defending champs. Yeah. What? Yeah. Chris said something to him. Yeah, you guys can cut down the nets. Yeah. You guys are champs. Crazy. It's like, this is the weirdest thing ever. Really weird. Really weird. I'm, 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 I felt bad for the seniors that. No doubt. I mean, they just didn't get a chance. Yep. Right? Like, you, you want your chance. That, and that's that's probably the thing that we're seeing the most is that everybody doesn't receive the same opportunity. Right, because those guys aren't going to get a year back. No. The baseball players and softball players did. Yeah. And they got it back because their season was just starting. Right. Technically, we had finished our season. Right. We were playing in the postseason. So technically, that's that's that's, that's the way, way they around it. Around it, and and you know, the interesting thing will be if we don't play this season, how they're going to do that. Right. I mean, you got so much money on scholarships. You got guys coming in. You're trying to recruit. You're going to end up recruiting somebody who possibly hasn't played basketball in over a year, mm-hmm. maybe 14 months. Yeah. Yeah. That's the dynamics are going to change regardless of what is done in the future. They're going to change. Like the new norm is going to be the, or, or the norm is going to be new. Um, and nobody knows what the hell that and is. And nobody knows what that is. But it will change also if we don't play. If if there's no playing, we will have to recruit a guy. Like we're recruiting the 21 class, and like you said, they have, they won't play. Right. Until they get here. Yeah. So we don't know how good they are. They are. Right. They were as good as they were on March of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. It's his junior scary. year. Yeah, it's scary. It's it, it is beyond scary because it's it's almost like recruiting an injured kid. Yeah, you don't but know if he's all injured. Yeah, everybody you don't know if across the country has been hurt. injured. Yeah. for fifteen months. Yep, that's the only saving grace is that everybody's supposed to be under the same um, same guys. Like nobody's doing anything supposed right. to. Nobody's sure. supposed to. But we we know people are doing stuff. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's just the nature of it's going to work out. No doubt. No Someone's doubt. going to try to push like, the line. Her, like Herb always says, you know, that no matter what, you're going to always have cheaters. You're yeah. going to always have cheaters. That's just how they live their life. And yeah. you can expect that even even with life at stake. Yeah. They're still going to do what they do. <laughs> how are you prepping your guys then right now? You know, I'm prepping them academically uh, more than anything. That's Probably brilliant. more than See? more than anything them 20 anytime. years you yeah. figured it out <laughs> I figured it out because it's the only so thing they, that we could do they all better have four pornos this semester no is they that should. what you're telling them I hope so I hope so um, you know and I think I think that things will be different in terms of virtual getting them used to the virtual reality TV so to speak but but their classes are virtual they'll do everything with their tutors and with their with their academic people virtually so getting the guys used to that we're talking about that we're seeing them do that we like today they went and got their books they got the computers and you know we've been on zoom things and doing stuff with them but now that will become a way of life moving forward right. so like you said they should be they should be good because we don't know when we're going to be able to do anything different as far as playing. Right. There's no excuse. No. There shouldn't. None. There shouldn't right. be. Now, there, there will be. Well, you'll come up with an excuse, but you got <laughs> cut it down immediately. Immediately. Get your face in that book and study. No question. You know, and, and the biggest thing is just I'm, try, I'm trying to continue to provide our guys with information. 
if it's surrounding leadership, if it's surrounding them academically, um, them on the floor when when we do or allow to play again, you know, trying as much as we can to get ahead of things, so to speak, um, by showing them film. Um, they're doing stuff on their own, which is which is probably to be expected. Right. The only thing I've told them is is number one, they need to be safe. Right. Don't and be stupid. Don't don't be stupid. And number two, now that you're here. Every, be organized. Everybody try to do the same thing that everybody's doing. And what they're doing, I, I have no idea. Right. Well, None. Because they can't do anything. Hell, even if you knew, you wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> they're 18. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and plus, I've been here for seven years. And it, uh, who cares? I don't need to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The funny the way that works out. Um, let, we talked about this before we started. Let, let, let's talk about something that's a little, a little different. Your yeah. health. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. I mean, because it's, you know, you got this beautiful tattoo now. <laughs> I do. I do. And nothing grows over it. Um, uh, <clears throat> you know, now, my health. Now, if I wouldn't know, looking mm -hmm. at you from the front, yeah. you still do a great headshot. I appreciate that. Okay. I appreciate that. Now, you've made I'm, my life a little more difficult <laughs> the way I have to shoot you. Yeah. And, and that's for everybody. Like, if you look at me face on, you don't know anything transpired. Anything right. happened. But I uh, went underwent undergone a life altering or life changing um, surgery um, for lack of better words and a long story short uh, I had I was having headaches during the season now when you first said that to me I thought well of course you do yeah. you're a coach no doubt every coach no I doubt. know has headaches no doubt and, and, and <laughs> from literally. your off guard to your post players <laughs> <laughs> literally every, every, everybody has headaches and that's one of the things that you learn to deal with as a head coach right you deal with those headaches pain you special know? I mean the, did you just think it was normal headaches I thought it was normal I thought it was a sinus infection okay. because one of the symptoms was it was it would the headache would, would start in the back but it would move like so if like I had a sinus a, infection I had right? one it would be on the right side or it'd be on the left side or it'd be on the in the middle of my head um, but it also on my right ear it would it would be like I, I was underwater or I'd take my right finger and close my ear and talk so I could hear myself, but it sounded like I was underwater. And so I thought it was a sinus infection. So we took a bunch of sinus medicine and, you know, we saw the, saw the team doctor and, and he kind of gave me some things to do, gave me some things to take and it never went away. And then so you dealt with this all season, all season, November, it, it became a part of me. Like it became who I was. Like if I was coaching a game and I did not have a headache, I would be thankful, <laughs> but I would know it was, there was one coming. There's one man, and I vividly remember our game at Loyola Marymount. This is when I thought it was really a sinus infection because the lights that I was looking into were bothering me. My eyes, right? They were, they were they were making me squint. I didn't think I was squinting. My mom, she knows everything. Of course, she does. Your mom knows everything. Right. So she's looking she's at me. Change your diapers. She no knows doubt. you. <laughs> <laughs> no. She, and I think during the game, she sent somebody down and said, "Why are you squinting?" Wow. And I said, leave me alone. I'm in the middle of a game. Like, boom. <laughs> My mother doesn't know what she's talking about. But it's one of those things of being at home. Right. You know, that's, that's something you deal yeah. with. Um, <clears throat> so I had, I, I was having headaches and it became a part of me. It became a part of me. And, um, you know, because we went through the COVID or we were placed on COVID on a house arrest, so to speak, um, I found a primary care doctor and, and let him know what I was going through. And he thought it was stress related. He thought it was a, basic headache and so he was prescribed the Botox because it didn't have any ill effects 
based on where they're going to interject it uh, at the site. So he sent me to a pain management doctor and I'm explaining to the pain management, this is what's going on. I'm here because the doctor thought it was a stress related deal. So he says, okay, that sounds cool, but let's MRI it just to be safe. So I'm like, all right, cool. Whatever. And, you know, originally I thought I was going in there to get the Botox, which kind of scared me. Sure. Um, but <laughs> get a little, I could, little on the yeah. crow's feet, little wrinkles, <laughs> get them taken away. Yeah. But I'm, I, I literally, I was willing to do anything to get rid of the headache. I mean, this is what, four, seven months in? You've had it seven for seven months in. Oh, God. So probably about a month or a month after, maybe longer than that, maybe two months after, after we had been shut down. Um, they MRI'd it. Okay. And he called and said, he called me on a Monday. And uh, when he called on a Monday about 10 o'clock, I was just leaving the golf course, like literally pulling out j- after just shooting an 88, which is probably <laughs> one of the best scores that I've ever had. Where were you playing at? I was playing in Chino at Los Serranos. Oh, yeah, okay, was, legit yeah. course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was playing the North course, as a oh. matter of fact. So it was definitely legit. So um, he's telling me, the results of the MRI and he's saying that they found a mass on my brain and I heard him but I didn't hear him um, and I'm listening to him but I'm not listening to him like he's speaking but I'm not really listening because two things I'm worried about the fact that where am I going to go which farmer boys am I going to go to <laughs> and then I'm happy because I just shot an 88 and I'm not willing to let anybody deter that. I'm not willing to let anybody be negative towards that. Mm-hmm. So what he's telling me is negative. So I'm not listening. So anyways, I hear him. Um, he says, it's, you know, it's different on the inside versus on the outside. The results are different and they don't know that and they'll know that after further test and MRI and he wanted me to come back on Thursday so that they can do the second set of the MRI and that I would be in touch with a neurosurgeon as a consult because Eventually, I was going to have to have surgery. Sure. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I hang up the phone with him. I go to Farmer Boys, and I get my normal breakfast burrito with a large iced tea. So I get home, and I'm sitting at home, and I'm eating. And <laughs> Happy camper. I, you can't tell me anything. I, and, and at the time, I think I had a headache. But you couldn't tell me anything. Nothing negative. So Sounds like an 18-year-old basketball player. Without question. They, they, are, they are their coach. Well, they are their coach. So I'm sitting there and I noticed this number is calling me and it's probably called about five times. And I'm like, man, who is this trying to reach me? Why don't they leave a message? So I finally answered it and it was the neurosurgeon's office. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, no problem. What do you, you know, what's up? The council, I'm thinking they're going to do the consult or schedule it. And they asked me, can I get to the ER right now to check myself in because they want to do the, uh, uh, the MRI immediately. So... I get a little nervous and I, know, I get I scared. Say, when, it, when are you starting to like feel like, wow, this is... I get a little nervous then and I kind of get scared because of the how fast the, the neurosurgeon is now acting. So I didn't, I had never met him. I didn't know him. But his office called and said, excuse me, we'll check you in or once you check in, tell him who you are and then we'll send the doctor over, the neurosurgeon, he'll come over. Okay. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go in and get the MRI. To, at the ER and I'll be back because I have a 6 a.m. tea time the next morning Tuesday at a course that I'd never played oh. and I was really excited about mm-hmm. playing and mind you I'd just come off the course and shot an 88 so I'm still you're excited high. you're in the zone so um, 
I'm thinking the whole time this guy's talking about my head and I'm thinking all I could think about was playing golf. And I don't know if that was a defense mechanism or if I really wanted to play golf. I think it's kind of natural. Yeah. Right? When doctors are talking to you about that kind of stuff, you're no hearing question. them, but you're not listening. No question. And so he did all these tests to test my strength, to test my balance, to test everything that he could physically. He was testing it. And I'm like, see, you have, I have no problem. And so um, he says uh, to me, well, why don't you come over here and I'll show you the, the mass on your brain. Why don't you take a picture of it? So he shows it to me. And, and again, I'm still like, all right, get the, hurry up and get the MRI because the only pain that I really feel was the headache. And I learned to deal with that. And so... Do you have a high threshold for pain? I think I do now. Okay. Or I think I did then because... But now you're aware of it. I'm aware of it. And then I wasn't aware of it. I was just used to it. And okay, I got a headache and it's probably an eight out of 10. Big deal. Still going by my day. But that's, if you get it once, that's one thing. But if you just get it, you know, expecting, oh, it's here it comes. Yeah. That's another thing. Holy and, Christ. And again, you, you go back to your description of, a, of an 18 year old kid. It's yeah. a part of me. Yeah. Move on. No big deal. That's what I'm thinking. <sighs> so um, the doctor is checking me into the hospital to do the MRI that night. Little did I know he was checking me into the hospital. I thought we were going to do the MRI and move on. Well, he does all these different tests, blood work, all these different tests. And I'm laughing at this, this, this guy who's down the way getting a COVID test. I'm literally laughing at, I'm texting my dad laughing. Wow, this guy has to get a COVID test. Blah, blah, blah. Doesn't look comfortable. So, so, so. Well, lo and behold, before I get to my bed, here comes a nurse. Hey, we're, we're going to do COVID tests. What? <laughs> COVID? What? Go out and come back in and tell me that again. Sure enough, she goes out. She comes back in. She does the COVID. I literally, I thought they touched my my brain. Yeah, both times. Uh -huh. You know, two nostrils. Oh, uh, God forbid! You can't do one. You got to do yeah, both nostrils. Both. At that time, I had to do both, and so I'm telling the nurse. Did she I'm, scratch your skull? I mean, how far? It seems like every time I've seen it, it's like seven inches in there. Yeah, it's way in there. I could I could not see the Q-tip in oh, her hand, and it's one of those God. long ones that I couldn't see, and so. I do, you know, it's uncomfortable. I'm irritated. Sure. I'm crying. My eyes are watering. So I say, nurse, before you go, I say, come here. If you have to do that again, <laughs> just kick me somewhere where the sun don't shine before you do that. Okay? Because that's what I'll be thinking about. And then you can just, then you can do whatever <laughs> at that point. And I literally said that. So she went behind the curtain. She starts laughing. I said, I can hear you laughing. <laughs> I'm serious. I am not laughing. I'm so serious. So serious. So, was she um, trying to set a record? See how it far seemed I can like go? it. It seemed like it. Man, it seemed like it. But oh. um, she did the deal. They gave me a gown. And so now I'm arguing with her, like whether or not I'm being checked into the hospital that night. I'm like, nah, go get the doctor. I'm literally arguing with the doctor now whether or not I should be checked into the hospital. So he wins the argument. Of <laughs> course. course. Yeah. Um, so that night I got. Um, these things, these marks in my brain, in my head, is twelve different marks. Um, they screwed up my hair and all this stuff. Oh and, no! Um, you didn't just they, get it cut recently, too, did you? No. Oh, that's no, cool. I had the COVID going, so no. I like oh, I, yeah, no. I had as much, not as much as you have, but yeah. I had a good, I had fro? good fro going. I had facial that's hair going. As long as you've been in a while, at, for a long time, and this is the first time ever that I have facial hair. Wow. I didn't think I could grow this. <laughs> I did not think I can grow it. But I'm like, it's good. I, there's nothing I can do. I can't cut it. I'm not going to cut it. So I just let it grow. So um, 
they check me in the hospital and and they shave me these different spots in my head and and I go do the MRI and lo and behold like maybe 12 o'clock that night I realized that I had been checked in the hospital it hit you then then I realized you realize you're in the hospital by yourself because we're under the pandemic so my family can't see me oh, I can't see them that's my right. girls nothing so I'm like wow this is crazy so I ring the door the, the, the bell for the nurse I'm like yo what happened with the COVID no the next morning I ring the bell and I said what happened with the COVID test like what she was like you wouldn't be on this floor if you tested positive you tested negative don't worry about it so I didn't worry about that okay <laughs> It's fine. <clears throat> I was like, well, when were you guys going to tell me that? Or when are you going to tell me? Because I went through a lot <laughs> to get here. So were you going to tell me that? Um, but I didn't realize. So I had stayed in the hospital. I got checked in. The next day, I had an angiogram. Okay. Because of the angiogram, I couldn't eat anything. Oh, God. Because he needed to see sure. the tumor. Or, or at that time, it was a mass. So he came back after that. Later on that night, I woke up and he said, hey, we, we did the angiogram. We didn't touch it, but we did see it. It's vascular, which means there's a lot of veins or muscle thing. It's grown into it and it's really big. So it's a 3.5 mass on my brain. Centimeters wide. Wow. 3.5 centimeters wide on my brain. And all I had was headaches. And the people are coming in and the nurses, the doctors, and they're asking me, you know, well, how did you know there's a mass in the brain? I, said, I didn't know. All I knew was I had headaches. And that's it. So, well, do you have the, do you have headaches now? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, everything's fine. I don't feel like I have a headache. And oh yeah, by the way, I'm on medicine now. Um, so I have an angiogram the next day. And on this one, he does clamp it off. And he's able to clamp it off and, and this thing. And the doctor, he had explained it all to me, but it was happening so fast. So fast. So I checked in the hospital Monday night. And you've got nobody to like be your partner and listen mm -hmm. so they can respond. It's mm -hmm. just you. Just me. In COVID time. That's the crazy me. part. That is the crazy part. Like I could see my family or my parents outside of the fifth story window that I was on. I could see them at the bottom. Waving, yeah, literally on the phone talking to him, and I could tell oh, how them sweet your parents are. Oh that was God. it, and that was the first, the first night or the second night because they they brought my stuff from my house, and they practically moved to my house because they didn't know what was going to happen. Right, neither did I. So um, <clears throat> they do the angiogram. I have surgery, like the real surgery on Thursday, to remove the tumor. And they they did all these MRIs and checked the rest of my body to see that the what was it. If it had spread, the sure. tumor spread, and you know, I'm like, just take me, whatever. I don't even need to know what's going on. So finally, he comes and he says, you know, we think we're gonna have a long surgery, but we'll see. You know, um, I think six o'clock in the morning on Thursday, he came to get me, rolled me on down. Next thing I know, he's like, count to a hundred backwards. I'm like, well, I can't count to a hundred forward, so good luck. <laughs> don't listen. I don't remember any any of that, and I went to sleep. And One. <laughs> yeah, I was out. I'm done. I like know. I remember the the anesthesia coming, but I don't remember what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <clears throat> the the you know, so, so I had surgery. He removed the tumor, um, and he apologized when he woke me up, and he said, "I'm sorry, you have 26 stitches. We didn't think it was going to be that long, but in order for us to get all of it, we needed to cut deeper and do." do more damage, so to speak. So I apologize, but we got it all out. And I was drugged up, halfway asleep, and yeah, I'm like, again, all right, he's telling whatever. you something. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, whatever. Just leave me alone. Just close the door. Yeah. So 
um, the other doctor comes in and she had studied the, the tumor. Now it's a tumor. It was a tumor. The mass they now are calling a tumor. Okay. So she studied it. It was benign. wasn't cancerous or in any shape. So we were good that way. But again, right. I was still drugged up. Sure. She wanted to talk. I'm, I'm not listening. She realized that. So she just said, hey, we'll talk later. Why <laughs> <laughs> so, well, these people keep trying to talk yeah. to a man it's who's just been medicated for? Unbelievable. <laughs> Literally, they came, they came in from the time that I have surgery. The next day they came in and finally I told the nurse, I said, is there any way you can close the door and just let me sleep? Just, just, you guys keep saying, get some sleep, but I'm not sleeping because every two hours you come in here. Right. And she was like, Touching you know what? Touching your prime, you're sticking yeah. something, taking the temperature. She was like, I understand. I get it. So she went out and pretty much for the next seven hours I slept. Just as far as I can remember, I just slept and slept and slept. I'd wake up and sleep even more, sleep even more. And, you know, they wouldn't even knock on my door for meals. They just let me sleep finally. Right. And I was sleeping. I still felt groggy and stuff. And the next couple of days, I kind of got on my own and they, they would feed me and stuff. And then Sunday, he said, if you can walk down those stairs, we'll let you go home. And didn't have any problem. Like other than just... As my, as Anthony Santos says, they just play with my brain in their hand and <laughs> cut my head open. I, I didn't have any problems. And, and um, you know, he let me go home and called my mom. They discharged me and I went, went home and I was laid up and, you know, laid up and laid out for probably about a week, probably how, two weeks. How long did mom hug you for? Oh, Hour, hour and a half? Thought longer than that. <laughs> Thought longer than that. And it felt good because yeah. I didn't have any human touch, so to no. speak, up to that point. They were, everybody else was in gloves and gowns. And, yeah, you so know. you couldn't even see him. No. You couldn't even see him. So it was good to see my mom and, and see my dad. And I still didn't do much of sleep. I didn't even make it upstairs to sleep in my room. I pretty much slept on the couch. On the couch. For about seven days. <clears throat> and um, I still had the, sur you know, had the stitches or staples in my head. And, um, you know, I... According to the doctor, after the, on the follow-up, I'm, I'm a miracle, a walking miracle, because I don't have any rehab. And as you can see, I drive everywhere. Right. And I've, I've been driving for a long time. Anyway, but he says that normally this is the time. I think I was probably three weeks removed from surgery. He said this is the time that we prescribe the rehab, learning how to talk again, right. how to walk again, um, how to do things again. And then he was like, you don't need none of that. Jeez, coach. <clears throat> so... Um, it was it was an experience, and by that time, my daughters had, had gotten here, and they were so-called taking care of me, and all I really wanted to do was sleep. And um, but slowly but surely, finally got on my own, and um, as far as I know, I'm healthy. Uh, you know, I notice I notice sometimes I search search for words or I stutter, okay. and I said that to my staff, and they're like, "What? You no, you don't." If you do, we don't notice it. And if anybody noticed it, it would be them because I talk to them right. the most. Um, but they don't, they haven't noticed it. Um, one good thing came out of it is is that when I text people, I will take the time to read it to make sure it makes sense. Okay. <laughs> and before I send it, and then I'll send it. And sometimes it still doesn't make sense. So we're, we're working on that. But as far as I know, man, I'm healthy. Um, I'm on back on the sideline. I'm, I'll be coaching. Good. I probably miss talking to my team two weeks after the surgery. That's actually probably good for you. Yeah, it was. It was good for me to see them. It was good for, even though they were in these small boxes, it's good to be for me to see them. And probably more, it was good for them to see me. Sure. Because of the energy yeah. that they gave to me. Um, I needed that. 
because I just, I needed that. I hadn't had it in so long. So, uh, you know, it felt good. I feel good. Um, you I tell look you, great. I f- yeah, thanks. Thank you. You look I, good. I feel, feel good. So good to where, where I went on a golfer's dream trip this last weekend. I played Poppy Hill. <laughs> I played Spanish Bay. I played Pebble Beach and Spyglass. Jesus, Coach. Just so you know. Now, no one is saying that I played well. No, you don't. That's that's fine. But I did play. That's your play. I did play. You're playing golf like you're going to die, not like a man who's yeah. healthy. I tell like you, you what, <laughs> I was down for a long time, and I'm trying to make up for it yeah, through golf. Yeah. And it's been fun. It's been it's been really good, and really really fortunate to, to to my boss, to Jim, and to my family for understanding. You know, I was down and out, and them allowing me to to kind of go and do whatever and um, get back into the swing of things, so to speak, without them wanting to do for for a while there i felt like man are you guys gonna let me do anything sure like like i had to i wanted to them i wanted something i had to let them drive me right if i wanted something to eat i had to let them cook it and so on and so forth so i had to get used to that for about two months um but since then man i've been doing everything on my own and 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 enjoying it but i also realized how fortunate and how blessed i am because as you mentioned his name, I will mention this. I think it's Paul Westfall. He has this a similar tumor or had a or was diagnosed well, yes. with a similar tumor. But I think his is uh, malignant. His is cancerous. Yeah. And so I've seen people like Paul. I've seen people, normal people, suffer the consequences of having the same tumor. And so... Uh, I'm super, super grateful, super, super fortunate um, to, to even be sitting here. Uh, but it's changed, I think, my outlook on a lot of things, whereas I might frown on certain things or 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 I might say, well, why is he doing that? I only worry about what I can control. Right. Absolutely. I only get upset about what I can control. Um, if somebody is doing something or saying something and it, I can't control it, what do you want me to do? Right. What do you want me to do? Literally. So I think that part of me has changed. I think uh, I'm much more grateful for being here, uh, for spending time with people. Right. You think it's going to make you a different parent I th- and a different different coach? I think but so. But parent first, right? I, think I mean, so. absolutely, when you're girls. <clears throat> I think so. And and you, if you see us together, you probably are going to wonder who's the parent and who's the children. Yeah. Because I'm such a kid with them. Um, but but I, I do find myself listening, trying to listen more than I do talk. I have a lot to say. There's no question about right. that. But I do find myself listening to them or listening to whoever's talking. If you got something to say, listen first and then say what you have to say. Because nine times out of ten, that other person has something to say and they're not going to listen until they say it. So be the bigger person. Right. Just be quiet. Listen. Listening with intent. Don't listen to respond. Listen with intent to be productive with what they said and then say what you have to say. And that's something that I've 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 taken away from, you know, being under the knife, so to speak. That's great. <laughs> I can't thank you enough. Yeah. Thank we've, you. We've talked about some great stuff. Thank you. I'm glad to see you healthy, yeah. happy. Yeah. A new man, <laughs> a new coach. <laughs> I got to get you onto the hardwood floor and see you coach yeah. at some point. I don't know and when this yeah. is going to happen, but yeah. in due time. I've right? got I've got my money on January. I know yeah. we probably can't say money with NCAA sports. Can yeah. We? Who cares? Okay. Who, who cares? I didn't say it. You said it. <laughs>
<laughs> I want to see you coaching. Yeah, it'll be fun. I, I think I think even after timeouts, I'll still be the same miserable person. Good. I would expect nothing less. It'll be fun. Um, it'll it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, being around the guys, I think will be fun, and being around people, I think will be fun. Even even though it won't be people in the stands, it'll still be people there, and we can interact and and do all the things that uh, that that we normally would do. Uh, under the circumstances so this in itself has been an unbelievable experience being able to just talk and then be able to listen um but this i thank you for having me i'm honored i'm with this huge pleasure uh to be here quite frankly oh no it's all my pleasure really <laughs> i appreciate it yeah best of luck been, coach thank you i appreciate you having me all right anytime all righty hope you enjoyed that podcast please subscribe and hit the like button where you just listened you can follow us on instagram and twitter 